Would you pray with me for a moment? God, speak to us once again. Your word of grace, your word of love, may it bear fruit in our hearts that we may be doers and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, friends, when I was in supervised ministry in, in seminary, my senior pastor gave me a piece of advice that has stuck with me for over a decade now. He said, Ephraim, when you preach, make sure you throw away that sermon and never think about it again. Today, as I look back to that conversation, I cannot help but think, what a terrible piece of advice that was. <laughs> really, not good advice at all. It is terrible advice because sometimes you are appointed to a new church and you have tons of boxes still to unpack at home and you don't have much time to write a sermon from scratch, so you have to revisit an old sermon. Of course, you might add a few things here and there, but overall the message is still relevant and it's still important. So here's my confession. You ready for it? I've preached this sermon before. <laughs> but not in the same way, and that's important. Not to the same people. I've been thinking about this because as I transitioned back to Yuma, the place where I lived uh, over 12 years ago, Yuma County, um, there's a phrase that's been in my mind, and that phrase is, no one ever steps in the same river twice. How many of you have heard that before? No one ever steps in the same river. Some of you have. Um, someone said these words a long time ago as he was trying to explain that things are in constant change. You may step in a river again, but it is indeed not the same river because the water is constantly flowing. The reality is that you are not the same person either because you're constantly learning, changing, and growing according to your life experience. So I moved to New Jersey for a seminary 12 years ago, and as I come back, I realize that the water never stopped flowing in this place. It's a different place, and I'm a different person. Indeed, as I was encountering this sermon once again, I saw it with new eyes from a different perspective. So let's, uh, let's dip our, our toes in this river, amen? Yeah. It's new water, it's living water. We read the passage just a moment ago, passage of a, a, main, uh, a man named Naaman. We read in scripture that he had a skin disease and he goes to Elijah to be healed. Elijah gives him some instructions. He said, go to the Jer Jordan and wash yourself seven times and you will be healed. What was this man's response when he got those instructions? Was he happy about it? No. He was pretty frustrated about it. Things did not go the way, uh, the way that he was expecting, and he became angry. But we read that he ended up doing just that. He goes to the river, washes himself, and he is healed. 
his skin like that of a young boy. When I read a passage like this one, I ask myself a few questions. And, and one of these questions is, what is this passage really about? And what can we glean from this passage that can help us today, that can give us something for our lives uh, in, in our current situation? Well, before I even try to tell you what I think this story is about, I have to tell you what this story is not about. All right? Number one, it is not about any particular place. Number two, it's not about any particular method. And number three, it is not about any one person. All right? It's not about any particular place. It's not about any particular method, and it's not about any particular person. And I will explain to you what I mean by that. The first thing, it's not about any particular place. When Naaman is told to wash himself in the Jordan River, he gets really upset. Why does it have to be the Jordan River, he says. There are much better rivers where I come from. Are not the rivers of Damascus, he asks, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went off in a rage. I imagine, and I've never been there, but I imagine, I have a very good imagination, that the waters of the Jordan River were not that great. Perhaps it wasn't the cleanest river, or the most beautiful river at the time. But again, this wasn't about that particular place. The truth is that God wanted to do something new in Naaman. God wanted to heal him. The location for this miracle was not really that important. The main requirement was Naaman's obedient response. Now we can definitely learn from this because as pastors and as parishioners, it is easy for us to compare our church to other churches. We all do it. We look at uh, the resources other churches may have, or perhaps the different ministries other churches are conducting, or perhaps the number of people who attend the service. And sometimes when we do that, we can be very generous with other churches and not so generous with our own church. We compare many things. We kind of have an idea of what makes for a successful church and we try to go with it. I have found personally, personally that when thinking about successful churches, people usually comment on the three B's. You know what the three B's are? Buildings, bot, uh, budgets, and bodies. We tend to think of successful churches as those who have the biggest buildings, those who have the most money, and those with more bodies in the pews on a given Sunday. Well, friends, after the pandemic, many of us are learning to rethink those things. Many of us are having to relearn what a success, what success may look like for a church. 
And I have to be honest, I no longer measure success by comparing my church to other churches. Rather, I am learning to appreciate the uniqueness of each appointment. To learn that each church has different strengths, different challenges, different uh, situations. And a big part of my job is to identify those gifts and to join the church, to meet the church, the people where they are, not where I would want them to be. There's a difference sometimes between those two things. All churches can do something in their context with their resources to make a difference in their communities. But we miss something out when we compare our situation to other churches. We miss something out even when we compare our current situation to our situation 10 or 20 years ago. So I really hope, my friends, that uh, instead of comparing, we might take some time to appreciate the unique opportunities that this congregation has to make a difference in our community at this time, in this place. So like Naaman, I'm learning that it's not about a place, but about God doing something new in us and through us in this place. So it's not about the place, number one. Number two, it's not about a method. When Naaman goes to see the prophet, something interesting happens. The prophet does not come out to heal him like Naaman was expecting. It is clear that Naaman was expecting something else. He said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my skin disease. What is he talking about? What is he describing with his words? It seems clear to me that Naaman was expecting a particular ritual for his healing. He wanted Elijah to wave his hands over the spot and cure him. And you know something? I don't blame him for that. I don't hold that against him. Maybe he was more of a visual person. Or perhaps that is what he knew. Maybe that's how he saw healing uh, rituals take place where he was from. Maybe that's what healing looked like for him up to that point. But that's not quite what happened. The healing method was different. He was told to go to wash himself seven times and to be clean. That's a different way of doing things and he got upset. Perhaps you know somebody like that. Someone who expects things to be done in a very specific way. Someone who says things like, but we've always done it this way. Or uh, my way or the highway kind of person. Maybe you can think of someone like that. If you can't think of anyone like that, maybe you. <laughs> it 
And you know what? I think that's a normal impulse. We tend to gravitate towards those things that are familiar to us. We used to do things this way and it worked back then. Why shouldn't it, shouldn't it work now? If this is you, I'm going to ask you to be open to difference, to different ways of doing things because work, God works in different ways. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe that. I've learned that in my journey. I don't know if you know this, but I, 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 I lived in San Luis, uh, Mexico. And I was, even though I, I grew up in a Methodist church, friends, the Methodist church in Mexico is different from the Methodist church in the United States. Right? So I moved to the United States and I attend a United Methodist church. Friends, we have never read a prayer from a piece of paper before. I never remember having a choir or having my pastor wear robes and stoles. Things were different. But friends, with time, I have learned to appreciate God in the difference. I know God moves when there's a band playing loudly and people are, 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 are dancing. And I've learned to appreciate God in the quietness of worship. When you have a prepared prayer, perhaps you uh, meditate in silence as God speaks to your heart. In both ways, I have learned to, to see God and appreciate what God is doing. We can't put God in a box and expect God to do things in just one particular way. The God that I serve is a God that surprises me constantly. I have to be open to be surprised by God. I have to be open to be challenged by God. Sometimes God takes me out of my comfort zone. Sometimes God, sometimes God invites me to uh, do things differently. My God is that big that I can, uh, that I'm learning to appreciate God's presence in different contexts, different styles, different methods. Yeah, perhaps different pastors will have different ways of doing things. Perhaps different pastors will preach differently. Different pastors will have different ideas. And that's okay. I'm learning to appreciate that uh, not everybody has to think the way that I think. Not everybody has to worship the way that I worship. Not everybody has to pray the way that I pray. What works for me may not work for you. Let us come together. Tell me about your experience of God. Tell me how God is moving you forward to experience His presence, to connect with your neighbor, to love each other, and to make a difference in your community. Now, we may do things differently, but I want to learn from you. I want to hear your story because I know God is doing something in your life, 
even before I got here. Can you say amen to that? So it's not about any one method. And finally, it's not about any one person. I think it's telling, friends, that Elijah the prophet did not come out of his house to heal Naaman when he went looking for him. I have wondered why he did it this way, and I've wondered why I would have done in his place. If there was a moment for him to shine, that was it. He could have gone in person and loudly proclaimed, all right, everybody, pay attention, here I am. Let the healing begin. But he didn't do that. He did not want to take all the credit for himself. He wanted to give, give God the credit. This wasn't about Elisha. It wasn't about the things that he could do. It was about the things that God could do through him at that time. As a pastor, friends, this is humbling and challenging for me. Because sometimes I want to make things about me. And I'll just confess that to you right away. I want people to know how good I am. I want people to know about all those theology classes that I took in seminary. Amen. I want people to know all the degrees that I've earned. I mean, I am good. And those, those classes were hard, friends. It was not easy. But while I thank God for those opportunities, I also know that ministry goes beyond those things. Ministry is not about all the things that I can or cannot do, but rather about the things that God can do through me today if I give him an opportunity, if I'm open to his voice and guidance. That is a humbling thing for a pastor to say. Now, don't get me wrong. I am thankful for the ministry of all the pastors that came before me, I am thankful for their gifts, and I understand that I have to work hard to keep learning and growing in my ministry journey. However, I also understand that this church is sustained by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been at work in this place long before I got here. The Holy Spirit will continue to work in this place after I'm gone. Holy Spirit is in this place. Can you say amen? The Holy Spirit moves us, feeds us, sustains us, invites us, challenges us to get out of our comfort zones and do something new. This has nothing to do with what I, what I can or cannot do. Friends, Frankly, sometimes the best thing that I can do when it comes to ministry is get out of the way. Sometimes work, God works in my ministry, not because of me, but in spite of me. And I'm thankful for that. But I always have to pay attention to what God is doing. 
So it's not, let's, let's go back, it's not about a place that we may compare what other churches are doing, what other places are doing. It's not about a place that we may hold on to a version of success that may be unreachable for us. It's not about a method, because God moves in different ways at different times, because God can use each and every single one of us according to our gifts and graces. And it's not about any individual person, because God can move in every single one of us if we give him an opportunity. So what is this story about? What is the point of this story? Well, I think this story is about God doing something new. And it is about Naaman responding in faithful obedience. It's about responding to God's call, even as we have to learn new things, to go new places, to get out of our comfort zone. Through this story, I hear God's voice saying, I could do this anywhere, at any time, through anybody. So why not you? Why not you or you? Friends, I believe that God is doing something new here at First United Methodist Church. God is inviting us to move forward and to experience the fullness of his love. Now, I do not know what that is going to look like moving forward. But as a person of faith, I don't really have to know what that's going to look like. I do know, however, that we are going to have to do our part. God will do God's part, but we have to do our part. We have to put in the work. We have to let ourselves be challenged. We have to learn new things. We have to go new places. And we have to let ourselves be surprised by God. No one ever steps in the same river twice. You may think, we've done this before. We've tried everything. We've heard sermons like that before. I'm telling you, if we open ourselves to God, if we let ourselves be challenged, if we do our part, God will do something new in this place. Do we want to be a part of it? Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word. Your word that challenges us. Help us be attentive to what you are doing now in this place. Help us appreciate what you've done in the past and help us be open to the things that you will do in the future. Loving God, we want to be a part of the of that uh, process in this place. Help us find new and creative ways to share the good news of Jesus Christ 
to the people around us. Help us be courageous as we go. Help us be loving. Help us keep our joy in our hearts. And help us so to live. Help us so to serve. That through our ministry, people may come to know not how good we are, but how good you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.